learn from each other. And as I said, I'm, I'm very keen on um, listening to or reading or watching biographies, and this is just an extension of that. And it's nice to be able to give uh, students a voice. So we're always looking for volunteers. If um, anyone is interested in coming on my show, please uh, do reach out to me. Um, my name is Jasmine, and my surname is Hull, spelled H-O. So it's just jasmine.hull.ac.uk. Um, so today in the studio we have Louis Gaffney Lafon. Uh, I will give you a little bit of an introduction on who he is. Um, he is a 29-year-old man <laughs> currently doing uh, psychology at UCL, and this is a this is a two-year course. No. You're in a third year now. Uh, it's a two-year course, and I'm in my second year. Second it's the, year. It's the BSc. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. And um, I'll let him tell you a little bit about his story. Um, so, yeah, so what got you to this time in your life? Gosh, uh, what a big question. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Jasmine. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, so, so I was previously working as a copywriter uh, for a website uh, for just over a year um, pre-pandemic. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. Um, I was on a kind of a rolling fixed term contract in that situation um, and I wasn't extended uh, through summer 2020. I was rehired at the beginning of the following year but at that point I sort of thought well I should probably try and get a formal training and education because I had previously gone to university coming out of secondary school, but I didn't complete that course. I ended up withdrawing after a year. Um, so I thought, well, what could I do? I'd be quite keen to try and help people uh, in my line of work. So I thought, well, eventually I might like to become a therapist. Um, and working backwards from there, I ended up thinking I'll try and study psychology. Yeah, yeah. And it's very interesting because it runs in your family, isn't it, this line of work? Yeah, so both of my parents were uh, psychotherapists. They're both retired now. Um, it was the one thing they said when I was a teenager, don't do this. <laughs> don't do this line of work. You can do anything you want, just don't be a psychotherapist. So maybe this is my uh, teenage rebellion uh, coming in a bit later in life. But uh, yeah, they my, my dad worked as a family psychotherapist and my mum was a child psychotherapist. Uh, so there's quite a lot there, isn't it? And Obviously, there's a lot of reverse psychology, perhaps. We were <laughs> talking about that. You know, tell someone not to do something, they end up doing it. Yeah, and it's, um, they got me. Yeah, they got you indeed. Um, actually, just going back to um, what you mentioned about wanting to help people. So from being a copywriter, and there were several in-between steps, wasn't there? Yeah. And I guess the whole real-world experience sort of helped you find your where you at least find your aim yeah yeah i had had certain kind of life experiences that um pointed me in sort of this direction of of wanting to help people i suppose the most formative of which was um is uh having a an older sister of just under two years older than me um my only sibling who uh has uh, learning disabilities so she is autistic and has down syndrome um, she's verbal, um, although over the course of the pandemic, um, sort of mm, 
to put it a certain way, regressed a bit in her verbal communication, although she does use Makaton sign language, which if anyone doesn't know, is a kind of uh, simplified or easy uh, sign language that is designed for people with uh, neurodivergent or people with learning disabilities to, mm -hmm. to use alongside speaking if they can or as its own form of communication. So having having a, an older sister um, with extra needs sort of um, ingrained in me, I guess, maybe on a subconscious level originally, uh, a desire and a, a sort of sense of responsibility to help others. Also with various sort of friends and with my own mental health, speaking about that side of things specifically throughout my life and particularly uh, as a teenager and a young adult. Um, I've had my own difficulties and I've been close with people who have had their difficulties so um, I've I've seen the the sort of need and and help that uh, mental health support can can achieve mm -hmm. for individuals as well yeah that's definitely something that we try to be more vocal about and put in the forefront of our minds since COVID isn't it I think um, that's yeah. really brought it to um, to light just how important mental health is um, and actually you know it's it's no wonder that you feel imp it's important for you to explore that line of work and actually you, you are very passionate about it hearing how you mentioned how you helped um, your sister but well from from a childhood perspective helping your sister and helping your family um, during that time, I think more adjustment rather than helping, um, and that has given you some stepping stone, I guess, to your the charity work that you did. You mention about the charity work that you were involved in. Yeah, no, uh, so it, it's sort it's sort of slightly unrelated in a way, but the 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 majority of the copywriting work that I did, um, sort of like digital production assistant work as well, uh, was for a, a film and TV charity called uh, Screen Skills. Um, I think formerly it was known as Creative Skillset. Um, so I worked in the careers team um, creating job profiles for their website uh, along with um, colleagues to uh, give people a kind of a route or like an idea of a route of the kind of educational steps and experience they might need from uh, a level three which is like or well actually GCSE or equivalent qualifications at school up to uh, work experience to get particular roles in the uh, well screen industries so that that's a charity that I used to work for and um, separately to that Prior to that, I also worked for an after-school club uh, called Yorda Adventures, which is lovely, and they specifically catered to a uh, special educational needs school uh, called Dice Art School, um, which is where my sister used to go when she was uh, aged, well, actually a bit younger than this, but 11 to 19 is the primary age group for that school. Mm -hmm. And... Um Actually, we didn't really give you much space to talk about your copywriting experience. Um, so that, I guess, feeds into how you were advising um, the youth that you were helping at that time. And also maybe a bit of finding yourself in that process. Yeah, I think that um, the kind of uh, 
the route I suppose that it took me on in terms of doing that work was that I had previous to doing that copywriting work some very limited experience working as a crew in the production side of films uh, independent films one of them uh, quite a small independent film um, so I was for a while looking to work in the media industries but I sort of found myself not really uh, gelling with the idea of freelance work um, I personally found it quite difficult to try and build up a, a routine but then have to drop things uh, at momentary notice to take up jobs um, that lasted for you know maybe just a week or some months and that that's the kind of cycle uh, that some people really enjoy working in film and TV specifically but it wasn't it wasn't really for me um, so I guess the kind of screen skills work was adjacent to that and the mm -hmm. copywriting was uh, something that I was maybe a bit more familiar with because I had done a, an internship previously it's quite eclectic my work history um, <laughs> writing for a, a, a business to business games news site uh, for a few months in I believe 2017 I could be wrong on that <laughs> but I think um, these experiences are probably especially with the game industry is probably what everyone well every boy I know <laughs> growing up really wants to have a, at least a bit of experience to find out if that's really for them and um, I, I'm, I, I think it's quite it's quite nice and interesting that you have taken it upon yourself and actually we didn't talk about your first degree the one that you sort of went in and then left do you do you want to talk a little bit more about that or sure that, yeah I can do that um, so that was as I say coming out of secondary school um, you can place that knowing that I'm 29 if you'd like <laughs> um, I went to the University of Birmingham um, to study uh, American and Canadian studies and history which was a joint honours degree I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it's still offered um, but reason being that I wanted to study a history degree but I sort of knew that my A-level grades weren't necessarily going to be good enough to get me into a straight history degree in what are, I guess classified as some of the better universities Birmingham in my mind and by certain league tables being one of them at the time I believe it still is it's got a good rep the teaching was good while I was there um, yeah so I went but at that time coming out of school um, I was probably quite a socially shy person so being in a new environment um, living away from home for the first time I personally found that quite difficult didn't necessarily uh, do the best at making like a solid friend group year one um, and also struggled with the academic side um, I was much later diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder um, which is something that affects people particularly during winter at least in the UK so it lowers your mood so I struggled going from term one into term two over Christmas um, and beyond uh, with my mental health and sort of fell behind and fell into kind of a very low mood or depressive state essentially um so yeah i had mental health struggles particularly like probably one of the worst times in my life personally at mm. university um then so i ended up 
initially I was supposed to repeat the second half of year one mm. um, and that's what I applied to do but I ended up withdrawing uh, I guess in December 2014 mm. uh, formally withdrawing from that course because I couldn't really face going back to it mm. and I guess that's um, that's a good time to kind of pause and, and um, reflect upon where that was then mm. and you are you now mm-hmm. how if anyone was going through something like that right now in university yeah what could you say to them that maybe on retrospect from your point of view could have helped you and perhaps helped them if you know they, they were thinking about more positive things or things that they can actually do to prevent them from getting to the state that you were perhaps it's also fate that you know that happened so that you could come to where you are now with the psycho- psychology degree which is very admirable you know you, you obviously had a period of time of thinking to get yourself here right now and everyone's on a journey isn't it yeah so anyway i'm talking too much let's hear what you no, no. say yeah um yeah great question so i mean personally i'm not much of a fatalist um but i think what i would say to those people who are unfortunately struggling or in a similar position or feel down in any way particularly in a university setting if they're fresh out of school or any age really is um reach out and try and get support as quickly or not as quickly as possible but it's better to reach out even if you feel like you've done something wrong by either getting to that getting to feeling that way or in a certain work like study work situation Mm -hmm. it's it's better to reach out because ultimately your health and included in that your mental health is paramount because you won't nobody can really perform academically to the best of their abilities which is kind of a a less important thing but if you are feeling down and if you're in real dire straits it's it's better Mm -hmm. to have people kind of checking in on you i was very fortunate at the time uh, when i was at the university of birmingham because one of my housemates actually said to me uh we she and i played like tennis a few times before because we were both like the sport and she was like oh do you want to come out and play tennis with me so i did and she was like yeah i think you're having these problems um sort of addressed it directly and it wasn't you know it wasn't prompted by anything i said i didn't say oh well i'm feeling down they just were able to read the situation and understand that Mm. So I'm thankful to them because they encouraged me to go and seek help from the university and speak to my uh, family and friends about it because I've become pretty reclusive at a certain point um, that winter. So yeah, my advice would be uh, to reach out either to uh, a support network if you have close friends who you trust or family um, if you're close with your family or even there are uh, facilities speaking about King specifically um, that they offer a counselling service I think the first point of call if you have a good relationship with them uh, is the personal tutor I know personally that I throughout like even this degree have been a lot more upfront with kind of my life outside of university with my personal tutor and I feel like that's quite helpful in terms of them understanding how you might deal with workload and deal with your health as the 
academic year goes on. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's very important to also highlight that you know mental health is health. Yeah, it's the same as physical health, and in fact, it's more insidious because we don't really approach it head on, and we can hide it a lot better than maybe physical. Yeah. Um, health issues, but I think it's very important to make it a priority because you know that's what that's part of your makeup of who you are and having that safe environment to feel I mean there's so many adjustments isn't it when you get from secondary school you know being pretty much looked after by your everyone around you and suddenly being chucked into a world of university life, yeah. which is you know depending on what course you're doing it's fairly autonomous you have to be independent and learning all the skills to learn you know i mean they don't you know i've spoken to so many people they don't teach these sort of things in in school which i think they really should and i i feel like since covid that has given a lot more impetus um to actually talk about these things um but talking about it more just makes it a little bit easier isn't it because it's the stigma's gone there's still stigma i find yes I think there is still that older generation that thinks that you know talking about mental health means weakness it's by no means anything like that because we're all human beings we're all subjected to stress and in fact if anything we're more stressed as a population than before um and we keep mentioning covid but i think that's that's really important to to know that you know everyone collectively went through almost like a collective you know societal societal stress yeah or trauma even it, yeah it's a form almost almost ptsd for quite a few people and it, um it's very important to to talk about it so i just wanted to um just just put that little flag there for anyone um thinking about things differently and also i mean what you highlighted the support group isn't it i mean the fact that you're playing tennis you know there's lots of studies that show that sort of you know sports and the team playing um sports tend to help with with just well-being from probably a social aspect yeah i mean on a basic level any kind of uh, mental health advice that you'll see from the nhs will often involve trying to increase your levels of exercise assuming you're not already some sort of like gym rat <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them I discovered. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly my cohort. I don't know why everyone is so sports crazy, um, but it's, I guess, you know, maybe it goes hand in hand with everyone putting themselves first and self-care, which is all really important. Um, but thank you for sharing that. That was really helpful. That's all right. Um, but, you know, don't feel like you're alone, number one. Number two, you know, um, there's always people around and do speak up. I don't feel like you need to hold it in and that's all from I think we both probably share some level of um, experience from from these sort of things so yeah and if if I may just say um, even if you don't feel like there's anyone close to you who's who's around that you feel confident in speaking about this kind of thing to and you're in uh, dire straits or you would like someone to talk to there are call lines that you can use Mm -hmm. Uh, crisis line is one for university students specifically uh, and then there's I believe and then Samaritans is the other one which I think might even be 24 hours so if you search either of those up online you'll be able to get a number that you should be able to call and uh, have someone answer to talk to about these these issues yeah yeah 
So, yeah, thanks for that. That's really helpful to know. And I think um, it'll be it'll be great if we can signpost at the end. Maybe I'll put it in a descriptor of some sort so you can access that easily. Um, I'm sure it's because you mentioned it. I'm sure some listeners might be interested um, in the whole um, neurodiversity um, that you mentioned about uh, with your older sister. Um, and also how, I guess, you became a self-advocate almost for neurodiverse um, people. Could you wanna, do you wanna talk a little bit about that? Or, um, sure. I could, I could bring in that, that thing about you in secondary school, but you know, I'll let you talk. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, so I, I, I don't think I could claim to be a self-advocate because I don't, I don't have any diagnosis of a specific sort of oh, yes. learning disability. Yeah, I, I realize I probably said that wrong. No, no, that's all right. Uh, that's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose like an advocate for self-advocacy, which sounds, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important. It's important to where, where people with learning disabilities or where people are neurodivergent for them to have a voice about their issues um, wh when and where they can. Um, and for people such as myself and others who uh, aren't uh, in that group of people to listen and to try and understand. So I think understanding and patience like are very important. Like in my experience, I'm used to waiting with my sister for a certain number of seconds or a certain amount of time after I ask her a doubt direct question after like addressing her by name to get her attention uh, for her to respond or try to respond because sometimes she struggles with kind of a speech impediment stutter um, whereas I, I've seen all too often with other people that are less familiar with her they might and this is like one specific example so I'm not saying this applies to everybody but in terms of my experience with my sister um, other people might ask her a question and then sort of I guess they feel worried that she hasn't responded and that they have a responsibility to sort of find an answer for her and end up mm -hmm. talking over her and not and it's not really like it, it's not I'm not saying that there's blame attached to this but I guess it's just that I have the familiarity of living my whole life with uh, with with my sister or like she's older than me so that's just how it's gone um whereas they might i mean a lot of people don't have that experience so they they might feel the need to kind of fill the space which um doesn't help her to communicate because it doesn't allow her the time to process the information or like hear it because she has hearing issues as well um so i suppose that's one thing i don't really know yeah it's 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 hard to say i wouldn't say that i'm you know uh a big campaigner or anything i've just had uh personal personal experience, experience yeah. yeah and i i think you alluded to <laughs> but that you know i think that speaks volumes because you know the experience itself the personal experience is actually very empowering for people to kind of um relate try to relate to anyway it's very difficult for anyone to relate to how it's like uh, in your shoes but certainly there is a almost a protective mechanism that that activates itself when it's your own 
sibling when it's your own family member. Yeah. But then from the outside, I guess, looking in, it's sort of educating people that not everyone is the same. And we've been talking about mental health, but also this whole idea that we should be um, inclusive is one thing, but also be able to be aware of others and the struggles they're going through and being you know um active in trying to understand obviously this might not be for everyone and we're talking about the public here but certainly when um people start university you're meeting all sorts of different people and it might be that you're on the receiving end you are neurodiverse or you haven't been diagnosed and you're feeling that people are not really able to um, listen to you or you know um accommodate you to know that actually you just need to find the right group of people that accept you and understand you um, I'm kind of going a bit off piece here that's all right. <laughs> I understand but I guess moving back to the story of you mm. um, so you know you had the real world experience you're a copywriter you know you, you've been in the media and film industry which to a lot of the you know new university students here will sound absolutely spectacular <laughs> because it's like no, oh my god it wasn't you know? it wasn't it wasn't all that glamorous and i was barely in it i should say but yeah i did a bit of work but yeah you got that experience and so then you decided you know what this is not what you wanted to do um and you mentioned to me that you kind of worked backwards almost but you were active in seeking out ways in which you could actually get back to university do you want to talk about that journey because that's quite interesting too to know you know if anyone's listening in that there are options isn't it sure yeah i mean um so that was the start of 2021 going back to that point i made a lot earlier that i started to sort of like reconsider where i wanted to go in a career because i one of the things was that i realized that if i wanted to progress in the kind of field that i found myself in copywriter and on i would probably had to have moved into uh marketing which isn't something that i was particularly keen to do because um that requires a level of social media expertise that i don't have or really care to gain um so i was sort of considering my options and as i say the kind of inclination to want to help people and be in a career that does that and also which is something that the point i'm about to make is something that a friend of mine said a, a, a long time ago and i, I and I sort of thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And they were like, well, I've, <laughs> which may not be a great reason to do things, but it's like, well, I've grown accustomed growing up to a certain like quality of life and I want to get a career that will facilitate that. Mm. Um, so I guess earnings comes into it to a certain extent. You know, you want people want to, well, I guess m most people, speaking for myself at least, want to live relatively comfortably. Mm um so that was part of it but yeah my decision once i sort of thought well i'd like to work as a, a psychotherapist eventually was to go to the accrediting bodies of uh well accrediting bodies and organizations that represent psychotherapists in the uk mm -hmm. um so the uk council of psychotherapists the uh, british association of uh, counselors and psychotherapists and there was one that I came across more recently. Um, so I didn't actually look at them at the time in 2021, but it's the British Psychotherapeutic or Psychotherapist Foundation, BPF. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I went on the UKCP website and sort of looked to see what 
professional training you would need to be able to do that role and found that a lot of them are private trainings that require a minimum of an undergraduate degree uh, mm. of education to be able to apply mm. and obviously m well me having dropped out of uh, university prior I didn't have that level of education so as you say I sort of worked backwards and thought well if this is where I want to end up then what might be the best undergraduate degree for me to do uh, psychology is a different field but it's got some overlap uh, with with psychotherapy um, and mental health practice um, so and also it was one of the degrees mentioned on the UKCP information um, so I thought okay that seems like as good of a degree to do as any it's probably more or less the most related one I later found out that there are undergraduate degrees in uh, psychoanalytic and psychodynamic psychotherapy um, particularly I think offered by Essex um, but by the time I figured that out I was already doing uh, a pre-university one-year academic course called an access to higher education he science course um, so I was like well I'm already doing this A-level equivalent year-long course to be able to do psychology because that's a BSc subject, broadly speaking. Mm. Um, and I'd email Kings to say, look, these are my, like in 2021, I emailed Kings in spring to say, because it seemed like I might be able to apply there based on the, uh, the grade requirements. And it was one of the higher rated universities on a league table and I knew that I wanted to stay in London to save money because my family is based in London mm. um, and they said yeah we, we you have to have uh, science qualifications at a level or equivalent to be able to study uh, psychology so then I ended up applying <laughs> for a different course to in order to be able to then go to university to do psychology to then eventually be able to do some sort of preclinical training on a psychotherapeutic route so yeah. it's long-winded but the way that I sort of looked at it uh coming into university and studies as a mature student is well I think for most people or certainly for people my age uh my work life is going to extend to my 70s in all likelihoods mm -hmm. so even if I do several years of training now, the majority of my work life is still ahead of me. So it's probably worth it in the long run. That was my mentality. Yeah, yeah. And I think having a positive perspective on all of this really helps. Um, and obviously, you know, you've, you've been, once you decided what you wanted to do, your career trajectory almost just took force, isn't it? You went down that, rate, uh, that, that route um, and never really looked back. I think. Yep, I'm still I'm still at it. So <laughs> I've not I've not failed just yet. Hoping not to. But it's it's great that you are where you are now, and I think it's it's helpful for people to hear. I think um, that there are so many routes in, and actually UK is such a, a, a great place for education in terms of doesn't matter what how how old you are, um, and that's for me actually very empowering. Um, as a mature student uh, but actually since you alluded to your undergrad experience in psychology is there any have you seen any difference between your first degree your second degree is there anything you like to bring to light I guess about 
you know your current experiences sure there are a few things i think the main one is like because i'm a mature student which is like technically classified by kings as 21 and over for undergraduates mm -hmm. and 25 and over for postgraduates so i guess if anyone hears this who's like i don't know uh older than that still and thinks you're you're not a mature student <laughs> <laughs> technically i am uh so yeah my experience with being an undergraduate this time around i guess it's sort of uh interesting as the majority of the cohort of the year i'm in is 10 years younger than me and just coming out of school mm. um so it's a different generation essentially um and all of the people in my cohort are lovely um that i've had the pleasure of meeting and sort of talking to but i guess it's harder to form well i find it harder to form like connections uh just de facto of that i'm that much older you also mentioned sh social stuff is different as well isn't it There's yeah very different mental men mental i can't speak now um just the mentality around education and you obviously have a very you have a you're, you're looking at this as a means to an end and maybe for them it's slightly a little bit more than that yeah um, I, I think it's well from my secondary school experience i went to a grammar school and there was sort of no question that anyone would be doing anything other than applying to go to university so it's just like a, a depending on what kind of secondary uh, education you might have it's like a foregone conclusion in some cases that that's where you go what you do so it's like a maybe feels like a rite of passage whereas that's not that's not reality like there are roles and ways of getting work without a degree i know i've gone back to do it but that's for a specific purpose um so yeah i guess my attitude this time around is i'm paying or getting into debt essentially with the student loan for the degree um so i feel like i'm the customer right and I have a certain mm. se certain sense of entitlement, um, which I, not through no fault of their own, don't think that a lot of the the younger students on undergraduate degrees may feel, even though they probably should, because ultimately they're the ones going into debt, and university is the service provider that more or less we're all paying for. So I think people should be allowed to like voice their expectations more students not that they're not allowed to but that they should feel more more empowered to do so yeah, i would say i agree i think that's something that happened probably a bit later on for me as well because you feel like you come out of school and you can't really there's this whole um hierarchical yeah thing with okay you've got to just listen to elders and you don't question and you put them yeah. on a pedestal and you don't you don't challenge um and you only learn how to challenge the system as such only when you're a lot older and feel like you've been through a bit of experience but you're entirely right you know um, there is a cost to education to ourselves not just from a time perspective which as a mature student I don't know about you I, I definitely feel that okay time is money yeah. sort of thing and I can't be wasting or at least I try not to think about oh I can just reset a year no that's that's just cost to me but also the monetary costs, you know. I think you don't realise it when you're not actually earning, and it's only when you earn you suddenly realise actually 
everything matters. Yeah. Um, but actually going back to what you said about an entitlement um, and how I guess it's there is that there is that disconnect isn't there with the um, new sort of school leavers us, especially the fact that they've gone through COVID as well and they're used to a certain way of learning yeah. which I am really struggling with the whole you know life recording I think we mentioned about a- this isn't it asynchronous Asynchronous lectures. I really dislike that. I'm not a fan of of them. Um, But we can go on talking about this. I still think that it's really important to face to face. Um, Obviously, totally agree. It's a university decision. But um, for me, as a mature student, not only that, I came from a different era um, where if you don't sit me down, that whole self discipline thing, it's not quite as powerful you know as, as perhaps the younger students who have been through covid and feel like they really do need to get this done i mean there's a lot of assumptions here as well but actually going back to what you said about um looking back and i mentioned that there's questions i asked everyone okay uh, that come on the show so looking back if you were looking at your 20 year old self what would you say to yourself then uh, I think what I would probably say, and I, I think uh, when we spoke about this a little before the interview, I said, I'm not sure if I'd actually listen to myself. <laughs> I'm not sure if 20-year-old me would, would listen to 29-year-old me. But if I were able to, I would probably try and impress upon them the idea that um, don't try not to be surf. Sorry, I would try to impress upon them the idea of try not to be so afraid of failure Mm. um which which might sound like a bit of a platitude but personally in my life like i've had a lot of issues like issues i should say uh dealing with the idea of getting things wrong and i still struggle with that like i don't like making mistakes but it gets to a certain point where that's really stunting to Mm. my ability to do things and to a certain extent that impacted my ability to do anything at all like live healthily and not be reclusive when I was at university the first time around in Birmingham so it it can get to a very dark place or at least it could in my case um, if one is so afraid of failure that it stops one from doing anything at all um, which isn't really living and is potentially dangerous so yeah i think that i would impress that on them and just be like don't be afraid of failure and also feel free to ask questions and not to assume that everyone expects you to know everything Mm. because you know it's a weird transition going from being a a, an older teen to a young adult because it's like oh i feel like i'm supposed to be an adult immediately and it's kind of that thing that you realize more and more as you grow up that nobody nobody really knows anything (laughs) that is so true that is so true so it's actually a a a, a little epiphany for me to realize that you know someone with white hair on the other you know like when you're in a boardroom or whatever it is could be equally as clueless as you are and that was just like (laughs) mind-blowing just like actually not everyone doesn't know everything they may know a little bit of something and experience is, you know, the best educator. Oh, yeah. 
um, coming from from where we are right now. But you know, um, I think that um, it lies a journey, and you've got to give yourself some time to grow and find out yourself. I, I think everyone is always on that journey, isn't it? And it's it's quite nice to be able to hear that people are on the same journey as you. I guess that's why we're in this like mature student group to hear about. You know, everyone is going through that and actually it's fine age is just a number and education is there's no boundaries in that respect yeah as long as you're given giving yourself the chance to learn um i guess moving back to um questions that i ask everyone um any kind of tips you would give to students these days especially financial tips because you did mention about student loans mm. and actually feeling like that's an entitlement i think you used a, a very one that I wrote down actually in my notes, graduate tax. You think of it as like a, a oh yeah, a, a a form of tax that we have to pay, um, and that might change your mindset as to how you view the loans. Yeah, so I think it's just like a coping mechanism that a lot of peers and people and people my age uh have said to me who who did complete university coming straight out of school who are who are either my schoolmates or or similar ages it's like a lot of people have the mentality and i feel like this is maybe an easier (laughs) easier coping mechanism than to think of like i have this number that keeps increasing of this loan that i may never be able to pay off in working life however i think a lot of people just think of it as uh graduate tax so like yeah you've got a student loan but in terms of like your working life once you get to the stage where you're earning enough to pay it off you just think of it as another tax because you're going to be you're going to have income tax and national insurance so it's just another thing um yeah that's probably why i (laughs) use that use that expression before um and it's expunged after a certain amount of time anyway yeah yeah that, that's just helpful for sometimes it change your perspective is very important isn't it well, especially when you're going through yeah currently i should say who knows what might happen in the future but yeah. yeah that's true that's true um we're coming to the end of our show now um i guess just to finish off since we're in a, a topic of uh, financial tips i guess if there's any kind of moans or groans or woes particularly um we could just squeeze it into the last few um well last minute i guess of this uh show mm. would you like to say anything uh i suppose and this isn't really something that well any of us as students can necessarily address directly but the main the maintenance loan amount that students are entitled to the increase from the uk to london is not anywhere near high enough to be livable um yeah that's a complaint i guess there's nothing more to it than that uh but on a more positive note i i really want to shout out the new uh king's mature student society which was formed at the beginning of this academic year um it's open to pretty much anyone like i know i said the age ranges before but we're we're pretty open as a society um so yeah if you're interested look it up yeah we have um we have quite a wide age range isn't it yeah past 70 even i i've read so it's it's quite an interesting group um there's, and there's lots of socials going on as well so hopefully we'll be able to get some of the committee to come on are you in the committee 
I'm committee adjacent. I'm not on the committee. Okay. <laughs> well, there's some there, there's something similar, um, and I'm really really happy that you came on to our show. Um, we do have to go now because I think the next show is starting. So thank you for everyone listening. Um, we will have another session next week again, uh, and yeah, so tune in for the next show. <laughs>